Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Groovy. Hello, and welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. Uh, I'm your host, Cody, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Mike. Say hello, Mike. Uh, I am the Demons. And Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. I have never felt more seen by a documentary than when, about four hours in, we started gushing about how fun the jetpack play in tribes can be. (laughs) It's like, ah, my people. Seriously, tribes. Tribes was gushed about lovingly. Held on the same plateau as Half-Life 2. To back up slightly, uh, today's episode is actually about, uh, you guessed it, first-person shooters. More specifically, uh, today we're reviewing the latest creator VC project, First Person Shooter, the definitive FPS documentary. Uh, The digital release for this is going to be August 31st. Uh, Physical copies are expected to ship out uh, September, excuse me, I don't know why I was going to say June, September 30th. Uh, and you have until the end of day, August 1st, to back the project and get a limited edition numbered physical copy personalized with your name in the credits if that's your jam. Do you think they'll like send me a copy for, for telling people exactly how to buy these? I know I'm supposed to be doing the review here, but like they didn't give me that's all I can think while you were doing it. Like, does that mean does this all mean we're going to get copies? No, nobody likes us. <laughs> Please, payola us. Payola, payola. <laughs> They did give us a review copy, so that was nice. Uh, for people that aren't familiar with the different creator VC projects, uh, they're the group behind In Search of the Last Action Hero, uh, In Search of Darkness, 1, 2, and 3, In Search of Tomorrow, which is, I believe, upcoming. Uh, and then there's also going to be an In Search of Darkness 90s edition. So all of their documentaries are these really long-form, like multiple-hour, four-plus-hour looks at a wide span, kind of an era. In this case, it's the entire history of first-person shooters. It's not like they looked at just Doom. It's not like they looked just at the 80s or 90s or uh, the glut of World War II first-person shooters. This is the entire history covered over four and a half hours. So it is very extensive. I feel like I learned a lot and then immediately forgot it because my memory is awful. But there was a lot of new facts presented. You know, I know a fuck ton of a useless amount of information about video games and particular first-person shooters, but it was still cool to discover things I never knew about, like the colony or the the things that came before Wolfenstein 3D. That uh, That was a big, really pleasant surprise, too. Like, the colony was fascinating. I had never heard of any of that. Yeah, I really want to play that. Did you guys end up making like a list of games to to go check out when you're done with the documentary? Like, oh shit, I need to go replay Time Splitters now. I just ended up wanting to replay Doom again. <laughs> I how long does it take to play through Doom in one sitting? I don't know if I've ever done it. I always play like a level or two and I get distracted. What, and walk what off. difficulty? Uh, I'm a little baby man, so the the <laughs> easiest one. Forty five minutes if you're you know not going like super fast. <laughs> I'd probably get lost a lot and stuck in some of the corners where it gets too dark. Oh, that's that's ah. that's how uh, Doom 64 feels as long as it does. <laughs> <laughs> I bought uh, Doom 64 for my Switch, and uh, yeah, a couple levels in, I basically got stuck and lost. And I'm like, this was fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna change games now. 
Oh, they have Cody, the ability to play the lightning now. version. I yeah. know. Yeah, I, I saw screen caps like the original. I'm like, how did anyone ever play this? Imagine playing that on a tube TV with a bad <laughs> with a bad RCA cable. Somehow we made tube. <laughs> That's what made that game terrifying. It was like Skinamarink. <laughs> Not everything is Skinamarink, Mike. <laughs> Let me make everything Skinamarink. <laughs> So this uh, documentary is four and a half hours long. Uh, it never once shows a human being. It's just footage of first-person hallways, ceilings, floors. No. Uh, it is nothing like Skinamarink. Take that out of your mind, viewers at home. <laughs> Put that on the box. <laughs> nothing like Skinamarink. No, no, this is in this house. <laughs> Nine out of ten. In this house, we only use first-person view. But yeah, for, for the history, I really love that. the Jamie kind of had a good point where the first – hour, hour and a half of this documentary really focuses heavily on uh, its software. It's more about them than anything else, I would say, for the first third of the documentary, which is cool because they have a lot of the personalities there to interview. So you get to see Romero and all those other guys and actually have their takes on these things when they're kind of revolutionizing video gaming. And for me, this was like, I was aware of it vaguely, but I didn't know most of the facts or details. So it's, it's really exciting to actually get to hear the history of it. Yeah, it was a really good uh, protraction of the whole uh, story of it, because, God, you you could probably make a four-hour documentary just on Carmack and Romero, right? like <laughs> how much stuff went down, like, oh, God, if, if anyone out there still hasn't read Masters of Doom, it's a classic for a reason, like the story of id software is riveting, and they did a pretty uh, good job of, like, boiling it down to, like, uh, the key moments, and it, what I love about id and the creation of doom is all of those guys are still around still remember everything and want to be interviewed as much as possible <laughs> they so really enjoy like, talking about it yeah it, it, it's not like trying to find the history of talking heads where it's like well you can talk to david byrne and that's about it, <laughs> uh, it I'm, I'm very happy how heavily 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 documented that particularly particular chapter of video game history is yeah and and from the inside too there's a lot of interviews with uh john romero we've got john carmack uh, tom hall is in there so you you get pretty extensive time with these guys uh who else do we have run through their list now they've got scott miller warren specter uh dave oshry who am i forgetting i think those are the the big big names right i want to know more about maze wars why did why did they spend three hours on maze wars I did not know Maze War was a thing that existed, and I don't know why it's not talked about more. I could have watched an entire documentary that was just on the history of proto-shooters, and really proto-games yeah. in general. Because, God, uh, everyone kind of gets the shorthand of, oh, well, video games began with Pong and Asteroids, and then moved on to Pac-Man, and th then Nintendo came into town. The There was, like, a good stretch of time between, like, the early 70s and the early 80s where there were all of these games that weren't quite games being developed in labs and college campuses just as experiments by people <laughs> who later, like, go on to work at NASA and shit. Yeah. And well, the, the idea line of, between hey, we what want is and isn't... And... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just saying, the... And the line between what is and isn't a game and wh what is and isn't in a particular genre is super fuzzy. It's like no one can even agree on what the first video game is. 
because it, at a certain point it gets so fuzzy and so experimental. Yeah, there was a lot of experiments we've all like come to understand. I, I think the thing that blew me away with Maze War and the Colony specifically um, is we've all heard the story. And they didn't go into it in the documentary because the documentary is not about graphics or anything. Um, so how Doom faked being a 3D first person game has been very well documented. But seeing that in this proto form in the 70s was very weird. And I just did not expect to see like any version of that pre Doom or pre Wolfenstein rather. Yeah, and in an industry that often falls victim to the whole uh, great man fallacy, where we like to sometimes think, of, well, this thing couldn't possibly existed until somebody like John Carmack came up to it. That is like a slap in the face that reminds you, oh, all of this stuff is just there waiting to be discovered. And sometimes <laughs> this stuff gets discovered in a lab and somebody goes, huh, that's fun, and then forgets about it for 40 years. I was, I was really fast because in my mind, the main thrust of a first person shooter is shooting your friends. Uh, it's all about the multiplayer. And so I, I didn't realize that all the way back to something like Maze Wars, they had multiplayer. They actually had different terminals that were connecting to each other so they could play these games. And that was the appeal. <laughs> you know, you could actually have other people watch your progress, viewing parties like proto esports, like they say in the, the documentary. That's the stuff that fascinates me, kind of that sociology element to it where, uh, Sure, stuff like System Shock is really interesting where you actually have a narrative and a game you play through in a first-person shooter. But the just the draw of putting people together in a room where all they want to do is shoot the hell out of each other is always fascinating to me. And it's a cycle that repeats itself throughout the history of gaming. I mean, the Doom crew got so involved in death matches while making Doom that Romero eventually started becoming more famous on the competitive gaming circuit than actually being a game developer. It's one of the reasons he didn't work more on Quake. Like he was becoming a celebrity in that world because he enjoyed nuke like he enjoyed fragging people in the id offices so much. Hell, yeah, Goldeneye has multiplayer, as we saw, just because the developers liked it. <laughs> I didn't even think about releasing that as a product. It's it's also like the different um, like waves that that come in like the FPS genre. I never really noticed that it always kind of repeats itself in the same way in regards to like how story goes, where it becomes very deathmatchy, um, very arena shooter kind of thing. Um, and then something comes out that is incredibly narrative focused. So you get a lot of like clones and then, you know, you get like, Wolf, you get Doom and then you get the deathmatch circuit that creates off that and a lot of the mods and then a lot of other games that are playing off of that. And there are some interesting things um, like Ultima and, and whatnot. But then you get System Shock that completely, uh, you know, upends what the genre can do. And then you kind of do that for a little while and the basic shooters, and I don't mean basic in an insulting way, kind of come back in vogue and then something more story driven comes out again. And that just kind of keeps going that way. Oh, yeah. The line you can connect between System Shock to Half-Life to, to Bioshock, which unfortunately does uh, doesn't get any coverage with this uh, documentary, like... Again, it's amazing how cyclical this stuff is. 
Yeah. I it is a bummer because again, this is four and a half hours long. They cover a lot of topics and they can't get everything. There's like over fifty games that get shout outs in this documentary, but they can't hit it all. And so some fan favorites get left by the wayside. Bioshock is one of my absolute all-time favorites. So that not even getting mentioned, uh, that was so sad. It's cool that Team Fortress 2 gets a little bit of time in the sun. Um, we mentioned Time Splitters. Time Splitters 2 is one of my all-time favorite multiplayer games. Same. So anytime people say the words Time Splitters, I'm jumping for joy. So you get a little bit of a mixed bag where even with four and a half hours, you're going for the breadth of the breadth of the the genre instead of really depth into it. So you can't do like 40 minutes just on the Halo games. You got to kind of move past those and maybe something like Turok only gets five minutes. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that console shooters kind of got the shaft and mostly we just had uh, their own little uh, segment towards the end because there were a lot of console shooters that were very essential, like, stepping stones in FPS history outside of just a uh, golden eye and halo. Yeah. Um, and just, I don't know. I'm still puzzled by, you know, the lack of Bioshock, um, Metroid prime, like an nin- big Nintendo franchise going FPS. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even like thing, I mean, doom three, obviously, but I understand maybe not wanting to like keep talking about it at that point, but it's weird. Like even in the context of, the documentary Deus Ex was just that first game. Yeah, sometimes like they didn't even touch on Portal 2 at all, which is strange. Portal 1 obviously redefined the genre, but that's insane to me to not even mention Portal 2. So sometimes some of these games really only get one entry, which is... Yeah, relegating the orange box to its own entry just by itself was maybe a mistake. You could have gotten whole segments out of each of those releases. Yeah, I'm only half joking when I say I want a whole documentary about the Team Fortress 2 uh, hat economy. (laughs) You could do it. You could do it. It wouldn't be that hard. And on that note clip. (laughs) I would have really liked uh, uh, Modern Warfare having its own section, too, because I I know it's easy to kind of dunk on the, the, the way the military shooters got very oversaturated. But a lot of those early ones are incredibly important to like what gaming is. And they're fascinating games in of its, in of themselves. It's it, it wasn't until like infinite warfare and all this other stuff where they became, you know, brainless, kind of parodies of themselves. Yeah. 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 Battlefield 1941 in particular was kind of a big deal that was immediately forgotten about when it was overshadowed by bigger games that followed it. But hell, there there would be no Fortnite without Battlefield 1941. That gave us arena shooters, essentially. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird we got footage of, like, Apex Legends. And, <laughs> you know, we only see, like, a five-second clip of, of Bioshock. But maybe there's a, there's an actual explanation for that. I, I don't know. I would have... I'm sure they went out to a great many people who didn't have interest. I mean, obviously, we barely have anybody from the half-life team to discuss half-life um it amazes me that half-life is like fucking minecraft now it officially comes from space (laughs) (laughs) that game just fell from the sky one day made by the valve like the big baby face from the end of the matrix revolution somehow (laughs) coughed it into being (laughs) saying that i mean avoiding talking about that stuff let us you know hear a lot about blood which excited me um 
hearing Quake 2 go, you know, Quake 2 is actually a really good game. Um, oh, just, totally. Uh, Sin talked about. Um, I Dark was, Forces made me very happy. Dark Forces being in there was a big deal. Cool. Yeah, specifically like talking yeah. about the appeal of Dark Forces being the first time you were actually inside a Star Wars universe, which is a a big deal in gaming and transmedia in general. Yeah, and pretty um, much every Star Wars game after Dark Forces was building on Dark Forces. So seeing that get love and its place in history acknowledged was really nice. Republic yeah. Commando is very much like a spiritual successor to Dark Forces. Uh, for me um mm-hmm. seeing fear get highlighted yeah. I, mean, I know that's like been a series and all that but seriously everyone needs to respect fear a lot more well that, that was one of those i was gonna bring up that's cool they mentioned fear because obviously it's a series but i, I never thought of it as like a major player in the same way as you know a halo or a half-life or call of duty it, it's it's there but i i feel like it's probably more of a cult status thing but it's still yeah. great to have fear pop up i, I love that uh, they got some of the less talked about franchises a little bit of time um that's why i was very excited to hear prey talked about i would have liked to have seen that highlighted more and i mean i'm obviously because it's one of my favorite games so i'm being you know but prey did so much for the genre without anyone really discussing it um especially the time it came out i I think prey really pushed forward like what a first person shooter kind of narrative could do especially like on a console more so than other things around it. Cause there, I mean, there obviously were things um, that really pushed narratives, even like doom three um, on a console. Um, but it was never really received that well while well, prey was, and then prey was also kind of like left to, I mean that you look up what happened to prey Two and how that eventually became prey, which has nothing to do with prey. <laughs> Oh god, uh, speaking uh, of another game like that, I was so happy to he- see Unreal spotlighted. Yes, yes. Because that's a game that mm. was like oh, immediately yeah. overshadowed by both Unreal Tournament and the Unreal Engine, and nobody ever talks about the fact that the very first Unreal is a really creative, cool game that meant a lot whenever it first came out. Yeah. In the annals of video game history, uh, Cliffy B popped out of nowhere and made Gears of War and nothing beforehand. It's very strange how Unreal is completely, <laughs> completely passed over. Unre- Unreal um, Champions was something I played hours upon hours upon hours of. I'm a little surprised, and this, I guess, shouldn't be too surprising considering they already have enough in the documentary. It'd be hard to cram in more focus. But to me, I, I was essential part of all this should be like discussing land parties and they didn't really touch upon that to the same degree i would have expected like you think they would have at least had a couple commentators talking about like you know all the nights they sat around connecting xboxes and just playing uh like left for dead together until four in the morning at a buddy's house a little bit with the esports yeah yeah i mean both of those are really big things and probably separate documentaries but it, it's so entwined with first-person shooters, you think like, wow, that should almost just be a segment by itself. Yeah, I, I guess the, I'm, I'd be curious to learn about like how do they break down the the narrative of the documentary? Like what what are you exactly trying to discuss with FPS? Are you just like were you just going in to discuss how the genre itself in the annals of video game history um, was born and then altered 
until the modern age. Because then, yeah. yeah, you can't really take these huge tangents off to the side. Because the structure they're using, um, I guess we're reviewing this, should probably go into some of the details. The structure they're using is mostly laying this out chronologically. First section's in the beginning, and it talks about stuff like Maze War. Then it jumps to uh, big fucking games, and these are the Wolfenstein, Doom, System Shock, you know, really classic monumental games. Uh, and then there's a whole section on Attack of the Doom clones. So you you get all the things that were basically, hey, Doom was pretty cool. We should try our own hand at Doom. Then a section on Polygon Crazy, kind of the evolution of 3D gaming. Uh, but then it gets a little murkier because there's first-person story, and then we have the coverage of Unreal, Sin, Trespasser, Half-Life, uh, Arena Gaming, the next level, and then like a legacy section at the end. So it's trying to move through all these games chronologically which is mostly pr- mostly yeah it's not entirely yeah, it's that weird way, they talked about borderlands and then the military shooter right it would have and made sense in the opposite because i think that's what made borderlands so special and why everyone was like oh it's it's gonna crash whenever it comes out and it did the exact opposite yeah i mean we get to stuff like half-life 2 and portal and all that with about a half hour left in the documentary so it's unfortunate they're, they're they get to the end and they have to speed through current stuff as a history, it makes sense, right? We're living through all these other games. We don't necessarily have to talk about what just came out. Uh, but it still feels very weird where it's like Half-Life 2 isn't even that new anymore. Like that's actually got a lot of history on it. You think that'd be an area where you'd want to expend a lot of time talking. Yeah, And is revolutionary. Like Half-Life 2 is a huge chunk of gaming history at this point. Oh, yeah. I, I remember just when that came out, how people were freaking out about you know, like the physics engine and uh, just how scary the Ravenholm level is. They touch on that. They definitely talk about it in the episode, but I'm biased because I feel like, man, Half-Life 2 to me seems so monumental. I don't know how you talk about anything else in that era for five minutes and not spend 20 minutes on Half-Life 2. I wonder how much they were hampered by just who they could get. Yeah. Yeah. And and most of these two, most of the uh, documentaries from these guys get sequels. And, you know, In Search of Darkness was just a decade of horror movies, and that got three. So I I would not be surprised in any capacity if they came back and they did an FPS 2 and maybe redid some of these areas or talked a little bit more in depth on the sequels or some of the pieces that just got passed over. Yeah, that's why as much as I uh, enjoyed this, um, and I I mean, I could watch, I could have watched this go on for like another two and a half, three hours. Um, I can just listen to video game people talk about video games uh, especially this particular stuff forever um but to that point i would think it would have actually worked better if they had split it up more into like okay let's take like in the beginning and big fucking games and do that as like a part one documentary like just oh, take yeah, that I mean, and extend that out to like four hours and then go like from there or something yeah, yeah, just covering from Doom to Half-Life could have been an entire five-hour documentary in and of itself that would cover, like, an like an entire chapter of game history. For sure. I like how we say this, though, and it's like, um, but are we going to give them, like, millions of dollars to do that? <laughs> yes. I'm poor. <laughs> I'm dirt poor. Well, as long as we're talking about the money thing here... We can probably wrap up by just going through the different tiers that are available. Uh, so again, if people are interested in getting a copy of First Person Shooter, you can go to fpsdoc.com. 
Uh, pledges are open until the end of August 1st. There's a bunch of different tiers available. They actually have physical copies, which I love. Uh, too often these days, it feels like a lot of times things are just physical or, uh, digital copies. So you can get a standard package, which includes the Blu-ray and a digital copy. That's $100. Uh, there's a big box Blu-ray edition that seems to come with multiple posters, T-shirts. Um, I'm assuming you get to shake John Romero's hand or something at that point. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. They do uh, have John Carmack digital... actually shows up and steals your car. <laughs> he takes it and drives off and you just have to wave. I paid for this. Welcome uh, to video have... games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I made him rob like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a digital version of the movie. If you don't want all of the extra doodads, that's 49 bucks. The digital delivery is going to be at the end of August. Um, and then if you're Mr. Moneybags, you can become an, a, a producer on the, the 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 documentary. They have an associate producer spot that's fifteen hundred dollars. A regular producer spot for thirty five hundred. Um, you know, I gave up looking for houses recently, so maybe I'll just spend my my housing down payment on being coming in executive producer. Do it six thousand six thousand dollars. But I could go around with business cards that say I am an executive producer. Uh, I'll probably hopefully- be on IMDb. Uh, hopefully, before the physical release, they'll come out with uh, this one's equivalent of the Elvira edition of In Search of Darkness. And it's just uh, Billy Mitchell posed sexily <laughs> on a couch. <laughs> Billy Mitchell boudoir. That's that's really what we're aiming for. I don't see that tier available. Quick, um, type that into Mid Journey. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can there this be is a why Scott people are striking us AI. I, I would like to see that. <laughs> What does any of this have to do with Jimmy <laughs> <laughs> Um But if uh, even if you're like not into video games uh, or FPSs, it's just I think a really good and really fascinating history documentary, like on technology, yeah. or it's just a it, it's a really interesting story to follow, even if you know nothing about video games. It's very fun when you start with you know like the maze game and they're just showing you how revolutionary it was to be able to draw the lines of a square and then rotate that. And then four hours later you have something like halo three and just the absolute jumps and bounds they've made over 30, 40 years of gaming history. Uh, All that compressed together. You really realize like, wow, we have come a long way very fast. Uh, To put it bluntly, this documentary has a lot of guts, big guts, big guts. I'm just I'm so tempted to just close my laptop and go walk into the sea. <laughs> Do you live near the sea? No. Well, technically, technically, Lake Superior is an inland sea. It would take me several days to walk there, though. So I'd be exhausted. Before right, I no, no I would appreciate the moxie of a several day hike to drown yourself <laughs> after one groaner joke. Yes, that, it, that's how committed to the opposite of this bit I am. Now, that's what I call having a handful of vertebrae and a head full of mad. Mike, you're going to have to apologize for that joke by doing the John Romero Easter egg where, like, you record yourself in reverse and put it over the credits of this episode. I can take a hint. Anyways. (laughs) No. Folks, if uh, you want to hear more of Box Office Pulp, you can always find us online wherever you get your podcast from. We're on Spotify. Not Stitcher, not Stitcher. I don't know why I'm angry at Stitcher. Yeah, (laughs) Stitcher. Stitcher Stitcher died 10 years ago. (laughs) 
<laughs> we don't upload from there. Uh, not Stitcher, but you can find us on all the other major platforms that are still alive. <laughs> I'm just imagining the chocolate dude from SpongeBob, and he's just running out screaming, Stitcher! Stitcher! Yeah, you get the point. I don't even want to do the rest of the roundup at this point. You get it. Uh, you can find First Person Shooter on FPSDoc.com. Go check it out. Thank you very much for the time. This has been Bop. Get the hell out of here. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.